Blog Talk Radio. All right, everybody, welcome to the George Brew Show here on Blog Talk Radio. Sorry for the little bit of technical difficulties we had. If you're trying to follow along, please do. Uh, good show lined up tonight. The great Jim Haig will be joining us uh, momentarily, I believe. The coach will be jo- the coach Tony Nardini will be joining us in about oh, I don't know 15 20 minutes from now. So you guys are in for a treat tonight. I, I love having these guys on. I, I love having Tony on because it, the sports debate that me and him can have, which there are times I really wish that me and him would just broadcast would record what we're doing and just play it because it's it, it makes me laugh so hard the way we go and go back and forth with each other. It's it, You get us both, like me and him go to devil games. I have known Tony since I was knee-high to a poodle. Um, very young in my days of playing Little League Baseball, and Tony was my first manager in the minor leagues up there at Persian Field up in Jersey City. Tony's been a, a tremendous friend to not only me but my entire family. So we, uh, it, it's just, it's a good time. You guys will enjoy. I hope you guys enjoy listening to Need Him, especially if we start getting like older stuff where we start just giving each other crap, which is always good because there's a lot, of, there's a piles and piles of it. You never know. Maybe I don't know who will join tonight. Brian is uh, traveling today because he promised his wife something and he's got to pay up on it. So enjoy the cherry blossoms, bud. One of the true wonders of the East Coast. Thank you to whoever brought him over. And if you want to smell cherry blossoms, just go to like Bed Bath and Bath and Body Works and buy that, you know, stuff. Um, I've really kept up on the college basketball tonight. Anybody that listens knows that once my teams are up. I really don't care until the finals. Um, with Duke losing Sunday, with Rhode Island losing Sunday, with Cincinnati losing Sunday, all guys I knew, Teen Hall losing Saturday, Friday afternoon. Which means George doesn't give a damn. Um, but you know, we'll we'll get to that point. We'll talk some we'll talk some college hoops. We'll we'll talk about the man who honestly has done more to, I, I don't know, hurt or help his kids more than anybody else, and that's Lonzo Ball's dad. I mean, he, this guy, you, you know what? At the end of the day, you start to feel bad for his kids because he's just a pain in the ass, and he's done a really good job of getting his kid's name out there. But here's the problem. How much is it out there? How much are teams going, oh, I don't want this guy here? That's the problem that he's going to have with the NBA, with these kids, is do you want them around your program? And I think the answer is yes, because Lonzo is a tremendous talent. The answer is no, because you don't want the headache that is the father. You know, and you've seen stories come out. And, and here's the thing, in this world, in this day and age that we live in, people want to put you down. People want to take who's on top and knock them down. Well, here's the thing, Mr. Ball. 
the more you put yourself out there, the more you try to build a brand, selling $100 hats and $40, you know you're getting close to NCAA stuff. Because you're, cause God, we all know that this is all based off Lonzo, who's at UCLA. There could be potential NCAA violations along with the father because of what he's doing. And people will not feel bad for you. When you look at this whole situation, you really feel bad for Steve Alford. Whose kids now graduating this year? There's an opening in Indiana. He's an Indiana guy. Is that not the perfect fit for him? Perfect fit. You go home, you save the program. Maybe you somehow convince Bobby Knight to come back if you're there. We all know that that's a pipe dream lately especially after the stuff that Coach Knight had said about the school and about the administration there, that he feels wronged them. And that's his opinion. It's not absolute fact. Bobby Knight's one of the main reasons why Bobby Knight is not there and did not finish his tenure at Indiana the way he wanted to. But that's a show for another day. Start off, because, you know, God forbid this show goes 20 minutes without talking about the New England Patriots and Tom Brady. When you look at the situation around the jersey being stolen, I think you have to start to sit there and look at it and go, well, who's at fault here? And at fault, major leaguely, is the NFL. The NFL is on the hook big time here. And it's not just because it was Brady's jersey stolen post game by this reporter from Mexico who had no cares in the world, had no want to cover the Super Bowl. Did not want to cover the Super Bowl. The NFL sees the biggest publication in Mexico. They want to grow the game there. So what did they do? They credentialed this guy going back to 2005 here he is in post-game locker rooms taking selfies with guys. Snap, he's got selfies with Gronk. He's got selfies with Brady. He's got selfies with other guys. Now you're starting to find out. He's got Brady's jersey from this year. He's got Von Miller's helmet from last year. He's got possibly Von Miller's cleats, and Von Miller's looking for those. Nobody knows where those are. Brady's jersey from three from three Super Bowls ago. Now, and as more and more of this story comes out, you start to laugh. You really start to 
to laugh and see how sad of a story this is becoming. Because as Brady said, he puts the jersey in his personal bag. You know, you see guys, you watch NFL game day more, and you see guys coming into the stadium with briefcases or backpacks or, you know, attache cases or whatever they want to call it, whatever you call it. But you see these guys walking in, rolling in with this stuff. So you got Brady comes in. He's got his personal bag there. He puts the jersey in his personal bag. This guy goes into his personal stuff. That's not even the biggest problem of it. This guy was in the locker room when he didn't belong. And if you've seen through Fox Sports and Jay Glazer, who Fox had the Super Bowl, so they had the most cameras anywhere. They had cameras back by the locker rooms. They had cameras in the locker rooms. You see Mr. Ortega at one point even looked directly into the camera. He's just milling about. He's just chilling there. And nobody says, hey, you know, let me see your ID. And I get it. In the span of post-game Super Bowl in a winning team's locker room, there's a lot of excitement going on. People are coming and going. It's not like after a normal game where – Generally speaking, most of the players come straight in. There's media stuff that's going on on the field, you know, between the NFL Network and Fox. There's radio, there's local TV, there's local press, and they're all on the field trying to get a soundbite, pictures, interviews with players. And when you look at this situation, and this guy walks right in behind Belichick. Wearing a suit, why would you think anything different? Why would you think anything different? But I go to this question. I go to this question now. If Tom Brady, what if the guy stole money from him? What if he steals his wallet? What if he grabs his credit cards? It's a big thing. These guys carry cash. And as somebody who played sports, the locker room is your sanctuary. You never in a million years think anything is going to be stolen in the locker room. You don't. You never want to think that way. Because if you're thinking the locker room is not even safe and you're bringing in whatever, cell phone, wallet, keys to your car. These guys aren't driving the same cars me and you drive. Driving nice, fancy cars. I think it'd be harder to steal a guy's car. But who knows? And if you're really not checking credentials as people are walking up that tunnel and into that locker room, you got an even bigger problem on your hands. What if that guy wasn't there just to steal a jersey? What if he was there to do harm in that locker room? He's walking in there with the briefcase. Granted, that briefcase is checked before he walks in. But if this guy was able to get in there with nobody asking a question, what if he was there to do harm? And honestly, in this day and age, 
honestly think you need locker room access. You don't anymore. Do you ever get anything good out of a locker room? No. Both genders are in there. Got guys walking around, Buck Stark naked. You need that headache if you're the National Football League. And they have a lot of questions. If you saw anybody from the Patriots going in there, it's a different color of lanyard. As is pointed out by my wife. Different color of lanyards. This guy walks in with a red lanyard. All these Patriots are walking in with gold. It's real easy for somebody to say, hey, what are you doing here? But here's what the NFL is going to do. They're going to pass the buck. They're going to blame Energy Stadium, their security, for this. They are. They're going to blame them. They're going to say, why weren't they stopping people? Not their job. In all honesty, there's no reason for any media to be in a locker room post-game, especially during a celebration. And you go back to Deion Sanders and and Tim McIver. You're a real man, Deion. You don't belong in there. Put your cameras in. Why does it need to have these people in the locker room? It's a damn Super Bowl. And more media there than you can shake a stick at. Put them at a podium. Go back to some of the best sound bites you've heard from sports. Podiums. Yankees barely even let anybody in their locker room. Then again, they have more media than you can shake a stick at that covers that team. But you don't need it in there. Now, you go back, this guy's taking two of Brady's jerseys. He's got a Kurt Warner one that he has Kurt Warner to sign. And these guys don't want to be bothered by this. They don't want to go up and complain and cry. And, oh, you know, this media guy, this guy asked me for an autograph. Even though it clearly states on every media credential you ever see, you are not allowed to get autographs. Don't even ask for them. Now, here's the problem. This guy does all this. Now, if that paper ever wants to cover the Super Bowl, they may get denied. They're the biggest media, they're the biggest newspaper in Mexico. Now they're going to think twice about it. In a year where they were so concerned, the NFL was so concerned with having barstool sports there one of the biggest media entities right now. You saw their presence. That's all you have to do. Look at their presence the Super Bowl week. They weren't allowed anywhere near the game.
They, they didn't need that. The NFL didn't want them there. But this guy gets in there, doesn't even cover the game. He's getting autographs. He's taking selfies with people. He's a collector. He's the reason why when fans start to talk about when teams say bloggers aren't allowed in because they they don't answer to anybody. There's a reason there. And trust me here, we've tried. We've got some good access. We've got some great access. Places that we never thought we would. Man, you know, there's 1030, and there is 1030 on the dot. Coach, how the hell are you? <laughs> hey, it was like you were it's been a long day. It, it, but if you need a big sit in return, I'm here. You know, it, the funniest thing is it's, it's like you looked at the clock, waited for it to hit 1030, and then called in. <laughs> like, even I on, just, the, on the switch. I'm board, not home. I'm not home more than six and a half minutes. Wow. I feel I, like I feel like okay. one of those guys that was just traded and he just made it in time <laughs> to his new team and they asked him to pinch it in the ninth inning. <laughs> oh, As he raced you. to the ballpark with the taxi cab from the airport. Uh, Doug Mira, I remember Doug Mirabelli with that. That was one of the, one of my favorite things when he was traded from San Diego back to the Red Sox and he had to catch Tim Wakefield that night. There I got. Uh-huh. Play. He's getting a police escort and not whole nine yards. Um, here's what I wanted to talk to you about. We watched through each other the greatness that was the World Baseball Classic the last few nights. Uh, We've talked about. There's been it. so much. We've talked about. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. On the show about no, we've talked here on the show about it. But as a longtime baseball fan uh, and a guy who played, is there any better? Is there a better way to do? Like I know we've well, I've kicked it around. Me and you've kicked it around. But since we've done it, you know, not here, and so that people can listen. In your opinion, is there a better time to do it? I most definitely believe there is when the players are already in shape, mid-season form, no pun intended, because that's literally when the all-star break is, uh, virtually smack in the middle, right? And mm-hmm. everybody is not, <clears throat> is not working hard to get into shape even though many of them, if not all of them, show up in spring training from an off-season program. But you know what I'm talking about. They've got to be in baseball shape. The, the, they've got to see live major league pitching. They have to, you know, be out in the field. They've they got to be working. And to do it when the players and the pitchers are not a, at, at, at their 100% best of, of being ready. Some of them are still fine-tuning their mechanics to get themselves going Mm -hmm. for opening day. And it's like you're trying to accelerate that entire process in in two weeks. You can only do so much in the off-season. Now, Tony Nardini, do I have a treat for you right now? 
also joining us, a treat for you. Also joining us is a man who needs no introduction, but we have one for him anyway. Checking in on the original Sinsider What's Brewing hotline, the man who has too many jobs to mention. But I will mention that he is a best-selling author in Italy, which is like having a girlfriend in Vancouver named Alberta Wright, guys. The one, the only, Jim Haig. <laughs> and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, to share billing with the immortal Tony Nardini is uh, oh my one God. of the highlights of my existence. Is one of my highlights Jim? of my existence. Never I'm mind having a, a, a robot that says my name as I call, I, I call in. But the share billing with Tony Nardini is just, you know, it's, it's a class. <laughs> I tell you, I, I never felt so honored in my life. Yeah. I say the, the, the feeling is mutual. As somebody <laughs> well, who played forget- baseball at age 45 and, and kicking ass with the Automac anchors or whatever team that you were playing for back then, um <laughs> Uh, it's a pleasure for, pleasure for me to share billing. Let me tell you, hey, Jim, ask him what he did. Ask, ask this nut what he did last night. I think that's oh, good. God, oh, he was impressive. playing hockey last night. He was playing hockey. <laughs> he was in there goal. You go. He was and in goal I'm not in the 70 and under league in, uh, in Rockland <laughs> County, New York, at, at the Muncie uh, Spinorama, whatever they call it. Uh, that's where he was. There was Jimmy, a major what, collision the... last night, too. I told George about it. <laughs> there was a collision? Uh, were you there in front of the goal? Did you just whack him with I, your stick? It, let's put it this way. There was the skater, there was the puck, and there was me. The puck yep. was about halfway between us both. I made a decision to come flying out of my net... I knew I was going to get destroyed. I poked the puck away, but there it was. Ba-boom. <laughs> your, your, like idol War, your idol, Gump Worsley, would be uh, very, very proud of you to be able to make that moment. Oh, man. Tony. It, it was a major collision, but we both got up. Tony's the only person alive right now who knows who Gump Worsley is. So, but that's besides the point. <laughs> Gump Worsley. I was going to Tony, how no was man. it to play against Jacques Pond? That's the other name I was going to think of. That's the other name. I thought of Jacques Plant and Gump Worsley came to my mind right away. <laughs> the Gump did Bobby no Hull mask. Really have that hard of a sl- no mask. Tony, was, did, did Bobby Hull really have that hard of a slap shot? I mean. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it, it made Eddie Jockerman uh, decide after one of the games at the Garden that he better go to the mask. Because there was a shot that literally went over his head, and it was the only time Jockman felt um, some fear. Because goalies don't fear anything. We don't we don't fear anything. But Notice without wearing the mask and uh, the way he saw the shot uh, go go over him, just past his. He, um, I think, a week later or something like that, he decided he better go to the mask. That's like, no, that's like me saying, you know, we, we power forwards, me, Chris Weber, um, and uh, Maurice Lucas, you know, we, 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 uh, we, we wonder about whether or not we can get the double-double, you know, as long as, as long as we stay close to the rim, we can get a double-double, <laughs> all, all, all of us, me, Chris Weber, and Maurice Lucas. 
All right. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy, by the way, speaking of, speaking of Chris Webber, he is ser- yes. seriously the worst announcer in the history of NCAA basketball. It's by far. It's not yes. even close. And he, and he capped his career off tonight by in the Gonzaga game when the kid hit the Gonzaga head. He was clapping. <laughs> oh, Come yeah. He, he applauded. Uh, seriously, I kid you not. Go If you want to, after you're done, go back to the replay and play it over. And w- listen closely. As the kid hits the shot, you can hear applause. And that's Chris Weber while he's announcing the game, applauding. That said it to me right then and there. Just and that, that you know, like okay, could you picture like Bob Albert applauding? You know, could you Marty Glickman, Marty Marty Glickman, who's a running, 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 running get it to? <laughs> hey Jimmy, let me ask it's you. It's called this. the hum- being a homer. Yeah, I don't know what that was. I I don't know what it was. Anyway, that's not no. Uh, go ahead. Hold on, Susan Waldman's a homer. Oh uh, yeah. please. But she's really yeah. not, though, because she's a Red Sox fan, but that's besides the point. Has I she know. ever played a baseball game in her life? Oh, that has nothing to do with it, Tony. That's unfair. All <laughs> right. I thought maybe she might have played some girls softball. That's unfair. <laughs> she just sucks. It's just fierce. John, I don't think you know when you're sure doing you ever played a game in his life. Do you, well, do you know her very well? Yes, very well. Good friend. I, um, I didn't know that. Uh, I wouldn't have. You know, John Sterling never played a game in his life. We're going to criticize him. He didn't even play. He, should, you know, he never could. played in, in the Shiva League in the Bronx. Never played. <laughs> uh, yeah, Howard Cosell admitted that he never played a game in his life. And, you know, do we criticize what Howard Cosell was? You know, he, yeah, he, he, made I, up, I, he I, created I, a word. He created a word for the, those who played the game. It was called jockocracy. And he hated those who played the game. As a matter of fact, he wrote a book entitled "I Never Played the Game." That was Howard Cosell, the name of, of, of a book he wrote. I have an autographed copy of it, by the way. Nice. All right, Jimmy. Nice. Let me, yeah. let me ask you this. Yeah, because you know what? You can't get that uh, anymore. No. Jimmy, let me ask can't you this, Tony. I'll throw this to you. I'll throw this to you, Tony, as a different way. Jimmy, the guy who went into the locker room and stole Brady's jersey, oh, and stole God. Von Miller's cleats. Oh my God. As a working member of the media, how on the pantheon of sin that you could commit as a working member of the media, where is that? Um, it's way up there, and let me tell you a secret, okay? And I'm not going to mention okay. the man's name because I don't want to get him in trouble, but there was a guy who I worked with way back when mm-hmm. who went into the Chicago Bulls locker room on a, on a shoot-around day. And he went into the Bulls locker room, and he took Jordan's jersey. And we sat there, and we looked at him as he did it, and they said, it's okay. They have lots of them. Oh, he put it in his bag and walked out of the locker room. Now, this was is a this major... Still working? Um, I don't know. This is a major sports writer in the metropolitan area went into the Chicago Bulls locker room and stole Michael Jordan's jersey. How about that? How about that? How, All right. About so did, did, <laughs> Is that I what shocked led to Jordan that wearing happened? number 12? Uh, what's that? Was that what led to Jordan wearing number 12? 
for a game? They really win number 12. Oh, now you're going to ask me. I saw Mitchell and Ness release the throwback of Jordan wearing number 12. I don't remember him ever wearing 12. I know he wore 23 for the most of his career, obviously, but for a while there, 40. when he first came back to the NBA, he wore 45, and that was his baseball yeah. number. Okay, so he did wear, like, the, the, night he, the night he lit up the Knicks for 55, as they called it, double nickels uh, at the Garden, and I was there for that, and I couldn't believe what I was watching. Um, he scored mm-hmm. 55 points that night, and it was like the third that, game back from his retirement. Yeah, that he was with his number 45, right? Yeah. He wore number 45 that night, yeah. But that was the only two numbers I ever remember him wearing. Incredibly, the incredibly the jersey that was stolen was a twenty-three. <laughs> Let's see, Jordan wore number. I found it. It's an SI article. He wore number twelve. Here, Jordan's number three is believed to have been stolen on the day of the game. The Bulls did not bring a backup number twenty-three jersey with them, but at the time, the team did have a just-in-case number twelve kit wearing bearing no name on the back. Oh, my God. Is that against the Knicks? It's against the Magic. But this, but, this, but this jersey was stolen during the playoffs. Yeah. Knicks-Bulls, 1996. <laughs> oh, man. This gets better. Okay. Ben. So, are we going to solve the problem of the WBC? Okay, that's um, next. Is, Jimmy, there, is there a problem, Tony? Did, did, did you think there was a problem? I don't think there was a problem. Other than the fact that the, the major superstars weren't there. But other than, other than that, I mean, there were enough stars there on the, uh, on the Team USA that appeased me. You know, the, you know the thing that I, I knew that uh, Team USA was going to win last night? Was that after they got past Seth Lugo and this Puerto Rican manager was going to the mound, and he was bringing in one reliever mm-hmm. after another that I never heard of. And mind you, for me not to know who a baseball player is is very rare. And then when it yeah. was eight nothing or seven nothing, he brings in the immortal J.C. Romero to pitch. And J.C. Romero's last place of employment was ah uh, yes, the Somerset Patriots. So here's a guy now he's going in and pitching in a basically what's an all-star game. And he brings in a guy who pitches for yes to Somerset Patriots. Did they have a chance to win that game last night? I don't think so. Wow. And and the Puerto Rican and the Puerto Ricans are all upset that Marcus Stroman, who pitched for Puerto Rico in the last uh, World Baseball Classic of 2013, pitched for the United States this time because after all he is quote American. But they were all that's why they were all taunting him last night, and that's why he was really upset. And as a matter of fact, I don't know if you saw when he got pulled out, he got taken out of the game, and I thought he should have, like, given a stand, because they gave him a standing ovation, I thought he should have tipped his cap. No, he went into the locker room, turned around, and looked at the Puerto Rican dugout and, and uh, let out a good old F you. That was, I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw yeah. him do yeah. that. On, national, in the... on international television. There you go, Marcus. We all got to know that you're a gutter mouth. <laughs> F you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, know but is is Angel Pagan with his blonde hair and no job? He has no job. Nobody nobody's hired him. Okay, 
He gets yeah. his double to break up the the no hitter. They're losing eight nothing. He gets up on second base and starts pumping his chest and and pounding his chest and pointing his finger like going, "Dude, look at the scoreboard. You're losing eight nothing." Right. And the eighth inning. Exactly. Cut it out. You know. Did you guys have a problem with what Ian Kindler said? What I didn't hear what you said. Did you have a problem with what Ian Kindler had said? What did he say? Just... I have no idea. Uh, how the Americans play the game the right way, the Latin Americans play it the wrong way, basically. Cause oh, they, boy. They celebrated really in that? showboats. Yeah. Did he really say that? He really said that? Okay. I don't mind. Jim. <laughs> Jim, we were talking about... Uh, if, I, if I was Ian Kinsler, and the first time I faced a Dominican pitcher in the, in, the, in the season this year, I'm not digging in. I'm not digging into the box. <laughs> I'm not standing up. I'm not standing up in the front of the box, if you know what I mean. I'm not. <laughs> you know, like oh, Jose Quintana. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes, Ian. Here it comes. Um, this is here. Here's what he said, and then he, of course, clarified it after somebody told him. Hey, um, I think you should clarify that. Uh, I hope kids watching the WBC can watch the way we play the game and appreciate the way we play the game, as opposed to the way the Puerto Ricans. Puerto Rico plays as Dominican plays. That's not taking anything away from. That just wasn't the way we were raised. They were raised differently to show emotion and passion when you play. We oh boy, we do oh show emotion, boy, we do they. show passion, but we just do it in a different a lot, way. A lot of chess pounded in that, <laughs> oh, in that tournament, man. Oh, I'll tell you he's, that. He's, you know what? He's he's got a <laughs> shovel and he's digging a ditch, digging <laughs> like he's got right now. He's got a moat around second base. There's a moat. It's right around where he goes out to play. He's he's dug himself a huge ditch. So he's now not only did he piss off the Puerto Ricans, but he pissed off the Dominicans too. That's real, real smart. Why why not stop there and say, you know what? Those pitchers from the Netherlands, I can't stand the way they play the game because you know why they eat cheese in between innings. <laughs> Jesus, and you know Jim. what? The Italians they can't play the game because Tony Nardini's Italian. I mean, that's the, basically what they, you know, the, why did he stop there? Just keep going. He was on a roll. He he has dug himself such a huge hole. I don't want to, you know, I, he better face nothing but American pitchers for the first month of the season. The minute he faces a Dominican or a Puerto Rican, he, he's going down. There's no other words to describe but, he's going down. But following Wednesday's title game, he clarified his statements. He said he never di- intended to disparage Latin American players. What oh, no, 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 no. He never, never intended to disparage them. He just did. Yeah. He never intended to do it. He did. Big difference. Big difference. So we were, t- we were discussing, is it better to play in the midseason uh, no, during the All-Star break? No, 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 no. If you're going to have this thing, you're doing it the right way right now. You cannot interrupt a major league baseball season, which is already too long to begin with, and then interrupt it for three weeks for this, for this. No. But what, Jimmy, what if well, you did and, 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 Mind you, do you, think, do you really think, say, say, say the Mets and the Cardinals are in the middle of a pennant race, okay? And all of a sudden now Team hmm. USA says, you know what, we'd like to have the Grom and Syndergaard, and the Cardinals, oh, yeah, we'd like to have uh, Jamie Martinez and uh, – and uh, well, Garcia is now with the Braves. Okay, so let's just say 
you know, hypothetically, Jamie Martinez and Jamie Garcia. We'd like to have them pitch for Dominican Republic in 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 the uh, in the World Baseball Classic. That's going to stop baseball for three weeks well, in the middle of the we, summer. We we were looking at it from a different angle that these guys are not in shape this quickly to compete at a at a you know at a real high level this quickly uh, because there's more uh, risk for injury. And and lo and behold, the Yankees just lost their shortstop for an entire month. And he fell. The pitchers aren't aren't 100% ready to to throw. And here they are. Other than Strowman last night, night, no pitcher threw more than 50 pitches. Other than Strowman last night, and he he had a no-no. That's the reason why he went. No pitcher threw more than 50 pitches. So it, it it was basically... A lot like a spring training games for these pitchers, uh, but yet there was competition involved. Um, hey, Jimmy, what if you did it? This I think way? I, honestly, I think it's really good for baseball. I certainly think it's really good for the for the the countries, the other countries that are involved. Although I got a real mm-hmm. big kick out of listening to Mike and the Man. Oh, Mike and the Man, though. Mm-hmm. Listening to Francesca this afternoon when the first caller that gets in, first caller, says, "You know what?" <laughs> I got to disagree with you, Mike, about the WBC because you know what? These guys last night were representing their countries. The the, the, the American, the Team USA was representing the United States, and the other team was representing Puerto Rico. Excuse me? <laughs> They're representing their country? What country is Puerto Rico in? <laughs> You know, but well, he, he, he goes, me what, oh, you, know what, you know what I'm talking about, Mike? They're representing their heritage. Their heritage? Uh, they're American, you know. They're American. They can vote for the United. They can vote. Well, I would. I would imagine a lot of them voted for Donald Trump. They can. They can. They can be there. The, you know. Francesa <laughs> was downplaying the entire WBC the whole afternoon. He said, and he was almost bragging how he wasn't watching an, an inning of it. Well, and this well, and that. You know why? Because because the world evolves around him. So you know, like well, if, it does. If, he, if he doesn't. If if you if he if he doesn't watch it, then neither should you. You know, like I don't watch hockey, so you know I don't know anything about hockey. So you know what, listeners, don't call here about they ask me about hockey because I don't know anything about it. And don't call me about tennis, and you know, but but I play golf, so I'll answer questions about <laughs> the 187th ranked football player in the world right now is. Shlomo Blumstein out of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, who's got a six other far handicap. But I'll talk about him, but don't ask me at all about, you know, who the rookie of the year is going to be in the NHL because I don't know. Yeah. What if they did this for this? Have the first two rounds now. Extend the all-star break to the end of the week and play the finals then. So that you're not just playing this in in L.A. Like, could you imagine this having the finals at Yankee Stadium or Fenway or Wrigley where you're going to have the entire place jam-packed with people? Uh, Excuse me. Did you watch the game last night? They had 57,000 people in Dodger Stadium. 57,000 for an exhibition. I understand that. 57,000. 57,000. Yeah, but some of those games had 12 people. Yeah, but there were some games that, like, some of the, the American-Canadian game in Miami had, you know, friends and family. All right. All right. Well, they had 12,000 people. 
That's because because no because people in Miami don't care about the United States or or, or Canada. They care about you know uh, Dominican Republic and <laughs> Cuba and Puerto Rico. So, yeah. uh, Francesca was also downplaying the fact that you know everybody was treating it as if it was like the Olympics, and it it really isn't. You had a lot of Americans representing the different countries um, because I guess they were short of ball players. You had a lot of Americans on, mm-hmm. on the different uh, teams, you know. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I have mixed emotions o- over it. I I, um, I I didn't get into it personally, like I, as deep as I I, I probably feel I should have, because I love baseball. I mean anything. Right. I watch eighteen ants play, you know. But so then um, why didn't you watch the game last night? I, I, I did watch. I did watch. My point is I, I didn't watch with the same intensity that I, I might watch the World Series, okay? Uh, uh, because it's not the same. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and also, you, like he said, I mean, the only thing I was going to agree with Francesa, because I don't really like that guy too much, um, I think he's very, very arrogant, and especially with a lot of the callers. But Agreed. that that being Agreed. said, I don't. I, he the one good point was there were a lot of Americans playing on the different countries, so and, well, I think it's took. True. You know. You know. Like, I don't know. I, I had mixed emotions. I, I had mixed emotions on the WBC. All right. Well, Seth Lugo was the starting pitcher last night for the for Puerto Rico. Seth Lugo, who admittedly told somebody the other day that he, quote, never stepped foot in Puerto Rico until he got picked for this, for this team. And it's the only reason why is because his mother is Puerto Rican. And he never stepped foot What's in Puerto Rico until he, until he got picked for the team. You know, it, it's the same thing that you look at, like, um, like a Jane Carlston. He caught a lot of crap for not playing for Puerto Rico, too. It, it's like, be damned your nationalism, but you better play for us because, you know, your grandmother was born there. You know, yeah, it, no. it, it, but, but that's what, like, that's the difference, though. Like, when you look at, you know, like, Team Israel, who, by the way, I think they're what got me into watching it because I almost forgot this thing had started. Yeah. Because they had really cool hats and the fact that they won a couple games, but you know, you look at the fact that, like, Cuba was as bad as they were in this tournament, and that just, like, blew my mind that Cuba wasn't any good. Yep. Yep. You know, yep. I, I think, agree, yeah. You know, and the Dominican Republic yeah. wasn't – Dominican Republic was a very flawed team, too, as well. Flawed. Flawed. Yeah. But, and, you know, like, you look hey, at this Rico, like, Puerto Rico's pitching staff had J.C. Romero on it. Hey, Jim, let me ask you a question. Do you sure, think the uh, Yankees are going to win 83 games this year? No. No. Do you have a bet on them, Tony? Because I don't. <laughs> no. I, 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 I heard, although, I'll tell I you heard, what. I heard. I don't I think, heard they, I don't think they're going to win any. Well, that's the under and over. That's the under and over in, in, in 82 and a half. Uh, 82 and a half is the under and over? Okay, yeah. I, uh, I think that if there is one thing about the Yankees – this year uh, that I would be very, very happy about if I'm a Yankee fan is that you're going to get to see some of the new future stars of the game playing on a regular basis. So 
You're going to get to see Gary Sanchez. Mm-hmm. You're going to get to see Bird. You're going to get to see Judge. You're going to get to see um, yeah. eventually, you know, Glaber Probably Torres. Tyler Austin. See, uh, Tyler, yeah, Tyler Austin. I don't, I don't know if he's a player, but he's not bad. You're going to get to see the kid that they got for um, Andrew Miller, the kid from – Oh, Clint uh, Frazier? Uh, Clint Frazier, that's the kid's name. All right. Those are the those are the stars of tomorrow, uh, as we all know that fully well that that name, um, and truly. <laughs> I was going to say I played stars that. Of, Yeah, I know you did. That's why I said it. That's um, <laughs> that's uh, what you call it. That, I think that's the one thing that's going to be the redeeming grace to the Yankees is that they're going to finally, finally, for the first time since I don't know 1992, 93, um, integrate homegrown players, minor league players into the system that play on a regular basis. And that's that, I would say, would excite me more than anything else because I want to see a Gary Sanchez blossom. I'd want to see Bird, who I think is going to be a superstar. Never mind. I think Bird's going to be a better player than Sanchez. I think Bird... I think, I think right now, Yeah, I think right now, if you put... Right now, put it down in your book right now, Okay. Bird hits 25 homers and drives 100 runs this year. As a matter of fact, I'll go as far as to say, how about this, that Bird has more RBIs than Sanchez this year. How about that? That's a bold one, but um, the way Sanchez played last year, I, that would be a stretch, but um, if Bird is healthy, yeah, see, but see right now, what, Sanchez, if he's healthy, Sanchez, he's healthy Sanchez could be Kevin I think, Mott, I think you know. he... He can definitely do it. Uh, yes. Right. Well, he, he showed enough. Yeah, I, I, he showed enough before he got hurt. He showed yeah, enough. Yeah, I don't know if you saw. I don't know if you watched the game the other day, but he hit two absolute bombs. I mean, just the first one he hit. You know, he, he, he for all intents and purposes, he stood there and watched it, and deservedly so, because he sat there <laughs> and it was like you know, like it was like in the movie Major League. Because if something that travels that far, that fast, should have a pilot and stewardesses on it. That's that you know. Because he he hit it a ton, and then he hit a second one uh, to left center field later on in the game. But he hit two homers, and I think said six RBIs, and I think he's got six homers now for the spring. He's going to have a monstrous season. Monstrous. He's a player and a he's you know, a player and a half. The only thing that worries me with the Yankees going forward is, oh, they don't have who's a, running. They don't have a, a third, fourth, or fifth starter. Is that the thing that worries? No, yeah, you, you got to be talking about the, You got to be talking about their pitching. I mean, what, what that's pitching? always their question mark. What pitching? What pitching do they have? Who's their, who's their pitching? Well, Tanaka and after well. Tanaka, <laughs> you don't know what oh, you're going to oh, get with thing. Pineda. Right. Yeah. No then idea. you got Sabathia. They, who's who's definitely on the downside? Okay, and who else? Who's the four and five? Uh, I think Warren, uh, Mitchell and difference. Severino are battling it out. Oh, Severino! Oh, I forgot. Severino's got to be there. Okay, I like to be honest with you. I like Severino. I like I like Severino a lot. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be very good. Okay. You know, the and only then, thing that worries me, and, and I think I guess Warren's got to be the, the fifth sort of it, right? I would think so. Uh, unless they decide to live, to have him be the uh, uh, long man and sixth inning pitcher, yeah. Uh, unless they decide to do that, 
But you've got yeah, Mitchell, Severino, Sabathia, Tanaka, and Pineda. I think those okay. may be your uh, five starters. And then Nardini coming out of the bullpen? <laughs> if you need it, baby. Yeah, and then Nardini, can Nardini give you a couple innings? You know, you know like if Girardi you goes there and says, baby. hey, Goomba hey, hey, here, you know, you know can, you just, can you get me through the six? <laughs> I'll give you the setup to Batantis. And then, but, uh, can you give, can you give me the, can you give me the six? Can you can you give me the six? I tell you what, Jim, I tell you what. I can't give it to you. I will guarantee it to you. <laughs> I will yeah, guarantee you it to you. There you go. Yeah. But you know what, Jimmy? You know what scares me the most about them is who's running things. Um. I, are they gonna finally like Cashman actually running I think I think I think Cashman is Cashman is running things. It's not Hal. It's Cashman. It, or or is it Levine and Trost who are gonna start no, no, running no, about no, not no. having they, they run the, Levine and Trost only do the business side. They're not they're, they're not doing the baseball side. They, they may do the marketing side. They may do the TV contract side. But they have nothing to do with the baseball side. Nothing. Yeah, I don't think and, Levine has and, any. And Trost, any Trost hand would be the first one to admit to that. He would Trost would agree to it. Levine was Levine in my mind is like what what Alexander Haig was when Reagan got shot. You know, when Reagan got shot, <laughs> Alexander Haig stood up and said, "said ah, that's it. I'm in I'm in control here. I got everything under control." <laughs> you know. Well, that's what Randy Levine does. Randy Levine says, don't worry about it. I'm, you know, I don't know where Hal is right now. He's probably <laughs> hunting somewhere in Sri Lanka, but I'm in control. I can, I can handle this right now. And meanwhile, Hal is like <laughs> pushing the curtain aside saying, Randy, I'm right here. Right, Randy, Randy, I'm right here. Right here. How um, those guys, uh, how, how he survived as long with the Yankees as he has is unbelievable to me. Who, Randy Levine? Like, who does... Who does he have naked pictures of? He's done a pretty damn good job in terms of marketing that franchise. You don't think? You don't think? Do the, Yan- do the Yankees George, really George, marketing now? George, no, you, what do you think? The, the Yankees market themselves? You can't go to uh, a city in this country and walk five blocks without seeing somebody wearing a Yankee hat. You can't. It's right. a, oh, it's yeah. All, all I, over the place. It's, it's, and the it's bad worldwide. thing is, the bad is the bad. The bad thing is too is that, um, especially in New York City, a lot of these gangs wear different color Yankee hats. That's how you're identified with what gang you're involved in. You know, yellow and red and and black and and, and what have you. That's the horrible. But um, in terms of all over the country, oh my God, Yankee hats all over, all over. You you see it worldwide too with the Yankees. But you think Randy Levine is the one behind the scenes of that marketing? Who's that? You I believe it's is. Randy Levine behind those scenes doing yeah. a lot of that marketing? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I think and I think Trost is the one that is in, in, involved with uh, the day-to-day operations, ticket sales, and what have you. But Randy Levine is the one that handles. The TV contracts. Well, you know, Tr- 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 also made the greatest line, made the greatest miss speak ever when he said, "Well, we don't want people who aren't used to sitting in the five thousand dollar game Bad, 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 bad move. Bad move because he because he alienated himself with the the diehard Yankee fan that doesn't have a pot to piss in and can't afford to spend 
$195 a ticket a game and watches them religiously and knows everybody's number and statistics going back to 1966. They can't, they can't, he could not have said a worse thing because he alienated himself from the common fan and just said, you know, the true Yankee fans are the, the corporate boxes. And that's, that's an absolute crock of shit. Oh, please. Because, because <laughs> if you could trail, you could tell that the elite seats that are at Yankee Stadium, the ones that they try to sell for thirty five hundred dollars a pop. Oh, please! It was all empty. Empty, and then and then you then you look behind it, and those are the, they're, they're the real behind it. It's ridiculous. It's too, it's too absolutely retarded is the best way to describe that. Retarded. So, but like I look at that whole thing, you know, and that really, as much as 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 much as I like the Yankees and I love the Yankees, and I, I would go to games. You said it best. That alienated me. I don't have any want to go to that place. Correct. Well, that's see, you're not alone. Well, like I, I went one here thing to see Garth Brooks last year, and I wasn't paying fifteen dollars a fucking beer. I'm telling you, it's it's horrible. Fifteen dollars a beer, forty five dollars a bar, hundred ninety five dollars for a ticket. Wow. The, wow. And the my biggest too, criticism. My team is getting. My team's getting is just as worse. My team's getting just as worse because you know what? They, I don't, I've never heard it before on any other team and any other franchise in history of professional sports. Okay? But they now have introduced different ticket prices be, depending upon what game it is, who the opponent is, the day of the week it is. For example, you a team that's doing if, you wanted, if you wanted to buy opening day tickets, one second, if you wanted to buy opening day tickets for the Mets this year, you know how much it was, the average ticket pre-sale before it went to, like, the secondary market? Do you know if you wanted to buy opening day tickets from the Mets organization, do you know how much the average ticket of, a, of an opening day ticket was this year? You want to guess? Sixty-five, seventy. No, the average ticket was $235. $235 a piece. To buy opening for, day tickets to go see the Mets. Are you kidding them? I'm going to spend before I even get in a ballpark to freeze my bejesus off and sit there. Are you kidding me? Now, mind you, the same the same seats that were two hundred thirty five dollars for opening day were going for fifty dollars for the sec the second game of the season. Oh, isn't that nice? You can't have the you can't have two different ticket prices. You can't, and exactly, and, oh, and they've done it this year. You, Yankees, you know, you know what started the Nationals, that, I think? the Dodgers. Go ahead. I believe the the Devils and the Rangers. Uh, uh, I don't know if they were the first ones right. to start it, but they were doing it religiously for the last. Oh God, I guess it's about uh, four years now, uh, five years. They they incorporated that that philosophy. Depending mm-hmm. exactly what you said, depend if 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 the Devils were playing the Rangers at, at home, that was a, a certain price or their elite plan. Okay, if they were playing the Montreal Canadiens, uh, Islanders, Rangers, Flyers, um, it was one price. If Ottawa was coming in, or the Colorado Avalanche, or uh, the Winnipeg Jets, it was a much lower price, um, and they had all this tier pricing. 
the uh, and, it's, and on top of that, exactly what you said too. Depending on the time of the season, holiday time, Christmas time, Thanksgiving, jacked up. And depending on who they were playing. So now, now you got, now you have, uh, you see it in baseball now. They're, they're pulling the same shit. Yeah. You know, price now, people the Mets right started out. this years ago. Oh, they're all prices for the Mets. Right the, the Mets I don't have know been much doing about years. Did. I, I honestly don't remember the tier pricing with the Mets. Well, I just remember the uh, the hockey guys doing it, and this is the first I've heard of the Yankees actually starting to do it. And it seems to be a, a trend now around all, all of sports. Well, the Mets the Mets have, the Mets have done it this year. They got different 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 prices for the Dodgers, the Nationals. <sighs> The Yankees opening day, and there's one. Oh, and the Cubs. So the Cubs, uh, Nationals, Yankees, Dodgers opening day. Different side, different price tickets for those for those games. Are you kidding me? You got to be out of your mind I, to be doing such a thing. All right, I know. And I'll tell you I right now, you, I know the Mets have done that for years. It just no. wasn't as big a disparity. Yeah, because I remember. Back in like '02, they had it because I remember like getting the because I was a season ticket holder then. No, I don't. Season I, ticket I, holders I don't season ticket see holder that from '89 through 2006. So I no, I don't think so. I mean, I, no, I, no, I no, seriously no, don't. No, Jimmy, on the on the normal market, it's one thing. It's when you're season ticket holders, you don't see it because when you have like the full like what Tony was saying with the devil. The devil sell me on the fact that my tickets are forty bucks a game. Now, when you actually see the ticket prices per game, like when they play the Rangers, my tickets that are normally forty dollars a game are, I think they're jacked up to like ninety-seven. Let's say. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And wow. that's right. That's right. Wow. The, so the, they the, the, the face value, the face value of those tickets, jack yep. Skywood. Now, if yep. you're a season ticket holder, they'll give that game to you at a reduced cost, quote unquote, and they you won't yep. get billed uh, the the uh, the face value that they want to sell to the general public of someone walking into mm-hmm. the damn uh, box office. Hey, uh, do you have any tickets available? Oh yeah, we have the upper. You know, the upper corner upstairs for ninety five dollars. Okay, season ticket holder probably got that particular game in, in his plan. Probably for fifty nine, fifty. Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. it'll be a well, lo- much lower that. price. You know, like if you, 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 know, my, you know, I used to get my tickets. They all said the same, you know, same face value price all, yeah. for all twenty tickets I had. Or whatever. <laughs> But I like I remember one year they had played St. Louis. It was the year I guess Tino had gone to St. Louis, and it was calendar night or something. And I had oh, gone. And you had to, to be, and you had to the be there because you had to get you had to get Tino's calendar. <laughs> no, no, I had to see Tino play. Um, oh, you had to. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. Why, how could I not? Constantino Martinez is the greatest. He's the greatest Yankee that ever lived. To me, yeah, Constantino, but, you know, the, great, the greatest, the greatest Yankee that ever. Lived. You know, leave Tino alone. He won four. World, he won three world, four World Series with him. Hey, Jim, I got to ask you. He won four. Yeah, ninety-six and no, he, he won was those there. Three. Ninety-six, ninety. In ninety-six, he was there. 
Oh, and he was there 2002. Okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. He won four. Huh? You're right. 90, 90, 90, yeah. 96, 97, 98, and 2000. You're right. You're right. Yep. 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 Now, a lot of criticism when they decided to build the new Yankee Stadium across the street, and they took it off the hallowed grounds of the yes. of, of the of of the greats of of, of the past. They and had to move first base from the from the old building to the new one because of Constantino Martina. Yeah, I should have. They had to bring but over. But there was box. a lot of criticism because it's not the same. They're not. They're not playing on on the same the same dirt, the same grounds as as the Maggio and Berra and Mantle and the whole all of them. Rizzuto. Okay. Let's not forget uh, Lou Gehrig. <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and and of course the the house that Ruth built. You know, I guess this one was. That's why this one is the house that George built. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As much as Yankee fans want to say it's the house that Jeter built, did it's you ever like? I, I used to. Yeah, I, I always used to laugh when Yankee fans would say it's the house that Jeter built. Then why didn't you come see him play? Yeah. Because if you look at their by year. Um, Attendance figures. They didn't start selling out every night until they got a run. It had um, nothing to do with the Golden Boy. No, they started to sell out when they started to win World Series. True, but they also didn't hit four million until they had a run. Uh, okay. You can so make let's, that. Let's give let's give a run the credit for hitting four million fans. A, a, you know. What was what was the reason when the Mets hit four million fans? What was the reason for that? A Rod? No, when the Mets hit four million fans because they were the best team in the city. Well, then when the Yankees, <laughs> hey, I will never. When the Yankees got four million fans, they were the best team in the city. Yeah, and they were the best team in the city for three right? years ago. <laughs> three years ago, and then, they, then they had to relinquish that title. When the New York teams start to win, that's when everything goes up. I mean, let's face it. I agree. Everything I mean, goes everything let's face goes, it. There's nothing better when they're, when they're both good. There's nothing better. Nothing better. Hey, hey, we, I, I'm a Mets fan, and I lost the 2000 World Series, and it's something I'll never forget. But you know what? That electricity that went on that week was marvelous. Was marvelous. Yeah. It really was. You couldn't. I made a bet. Hey, Tony, I don't know if you were aware about this, but I made a I made a bet with the Fa, and I said to the Fa, <laughs> the Fa said, "Okay, if the Mets win the World Series, I'll wear a Met hat in my column head in the paper. But if the Yankees win a World Series, you gotta wear a Yankee hat in your paper." And I went, oh, God, do I want to make that pick? Um, I'll make that pick because I think the Mets are going to win the World Series. Uh, so I said, okay, I'll make the pick. And sure enough, mold mold in the Hudson Reporter. Somewhere, I still have the picture of it. But I not only did I wear a Yankee hat, but I wore Yankee stickers underneath my cheeks. <laughs> I have to see a picture of it. Yeah, Because you must have been... You have to have been dying taking that picture. 
my wife took the picture, and my wife loved every minute of it because she's Yankee. So she's the one that took the picture, and she loved every she loved every minute of it. I tell you what, everybody says, "What was the, what was the toughest moment of your life of lives as, as being married?" And it wasn't about an hour ago when I fell and was laying around flopping around like a fish uh, on, the, my, on my bedroom floor trying to get up again. It took me about a half an hour to get up. So it wasn't it wasn't that. But it, the toughest moment of my marriage was the 2002. And I'll tell you a real funny story is that at that time we had cable in the bedroom and I had the satellite dish in the living room. And we decided that we could not watch the World Series together. Could not. Yeah, you told me this story. I remember you were talking about this when we were at. Right. So uh, she's in the living room. She's in the bedroom, and I'm in the living room, and she's getting the feed about 10 seconds more earlier than I'm getting. About 10 seconds earlier. And when things are going good, I, I start hearing, yeah! Yeah, and I don't even know what's happening yet. But I'm hearing, yeah, 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 yeah. So she did, yeah, about five times, which that I then, you know, the, you know, the, the Irish Pollock in me just came flying out, and I screamed at the top of my lungs, shut the fuck <laughs> To which that. So you're saying that's what. No, no, it's, it gets funnier, right? To which oh, that, no. I mean, the windows, the windows were open. It was a nice October night. The windows were open. And the shut the fuck up scream <laughs> bellow went out the door of the house. So much so that the next door neighbor, Dr. Dr. Murphy, comes knocking on the ring in his little bell and says, Jim? Yes, Dr. Murphy? <laughs> Is everything all right in here? I said, yeah, it's called the World Series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everything's okay in here. It's called the World Series. <laughs> it's called the World Series. It's called the World Series. Like he thought, he thought that I was in here in the house beating up Mary. Yep. And I was like pounding the shit out of her. And I was basically just telling her to oh shut my up God. Watching, watching baseball. That's all it was. Like, shut up. <laughs> and then, oh, and then incredibly. Yeah, when 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 Piazza hit the ball, when runners on second and third and two out in the fifth game of that World Series, I swear to God, off the bat, I thought it was gone. I thought it was gone. Oh. And, I went, and I went, yeah! And then all of a sudden, I saw Bernie camping under it, and I was like, oh, no. I think everybody in the baseball world thought that ball was, uh, was out. That was, that was a typical was that the Piazza... One? Was that the one off the swing? No, 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 no. That was off of Mariano in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah. Five. Oh, the hit with Bear on that. Three to one. Luis Soho just got the two-run single off of Outlighter to make the score That's three right. to one. And uh, and now it goes to the bottom of the ninth. And uh, we Piazza got gets a hold of one. Third and two, second and third, two yeah. out. If he hasn't hit one that I thought off the bat was a three-yard home. I, I thought it was gone. I thought it and, was gone, too. And I went nuts, and I was like, yeah! And then the next thing I see, Bernie camping under it. Went, oh. Bernie settled under it, and that was it. And that was it. That was it. 
Yeah, that was it. <laughs> and, that was, and and then until two years ago, that was about as close as we got. And two years ago, we got close again, and we lost again five games. But you know, I cannot, for the wildest, take anything away from what happened two years ago, nor anything that happened last year. Um, <clears throat> gravy is what I the best way I can describe it. 2015 is still, in my mind, the most miraculous season in the history of the Met franchise, and that includes 69. I think the, the, the 2015, because no one thought that they had a prayer of doing anything that season, and they won the NL pennant. No one. No one. You know, but, Tony, you know what my favorite Jim Haig articles are? Is on his blog. Oh, okay. When – when Jimmy sits there and decides that the Mets season's over, there is nothing better. Yep. When he starts to eulogize them in August, go to the OTB, <laughs> go to your favorite betting website, and put the Mets in the playoffs. Because when there Jimmy sits That's there and tells you it's over, the Mets are going to the World Series, or they're at least making yeah, the playoffs. Yeah. Or, or August, or if you can, August, August 23rd, 2015 blog. Go ahead and read that. It's like, I, you know, blow taps. I it's still over. do. It's over. I know it's over. I'm now done. I can't watch this team anymore. They make me sick. Blah 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 blah. Sure enough, they went to the world. And then last when they lost the game last year, after they hit the grand slam home run, the immortal what the hell was the guy's name who hit the grand slam home run off of off of. Oh, God, I can't even think of his name now. Was that the walk-off? Italian name. Was that? Was that the walk-off Grand Slam? No, they had a Grand Slam home run in the first inning off of Baumgartner. And they now oh. are winning 4 nothing off of Baumgartner with DeGrom on the mound. And they're winning 4 nothing with, with, I can't think of the guy's name, uh, Justin Ruggiano. Just hit me. Justin, Justin Ruggiano hits a Grand Slam home run or for Madison Bumgarner, who had not given up an earned run against the Mets in four years. And he gives up four in the first inning in this game. And I'm sitting there going, okay, we've got this one in the bag. All right. So I'm going to just, like, relax. DeGrom's got a four-run lead. They never score four runs for DeGrom in the entire game. They gave him four runs in the first inning. So DeGrom goes out there in the bottom of the first and coughs it right back up. <laughs> point where the Giants got the bomb. Right. Let's come back, come back, and in the sixth inning or whatever it is, they get, I don't know, and, and again, just a parade of, of, of shit players, one after another, start to get, get hit after hit. Like Ty Kelly got a two-run single, and my mother got a two-run single, and all these people that just hit. Is getting coming up and getting hits for the Mets, and they're now they're now winning eight four. And I said, okay, we now can't lose this game, can we? Can we lose this game? And sure enough, we lose nine eight. And that's when I said, this is over. In case you want to know the date of that, it was August fourth, twenty sixteen, because I just looked up the block. You did? Yeah. <laughs> and what is it? Well, go ahead, read the blog for. Read the blog for a second, real quick. <laughs> All right, ready? Here you go, Coach. You'll, you'll love this. So I'll, give, I'll give you the first three paragraphs of this. 
You know that old adage that you have to go for everything when you have the chance because you never know when you might get the opportunity again? Well, it's so true for the 2016 Mets, who appear dead in the water these days. Sure, the second wild card remains within reach as the Mets trail the St. Louis Cardinals by only two and a half games for that berth. And this eternal optimist will say the Mets will get it since the Mets say that once the Mets get into the playoffs, they have enough pitching to make some noise there. But here's a sharp dose of the reality here. The Mets just don't have enough forces to keep up with the Dodgers, Marlins, and Cards. Oh, my. Last night's horrible and inexcusable <laughs> loss to the dreaded Yankees is proof that they just can't keep up the pace. Despite the Mets' crack, medical staff and administration tell us, East lefty Steven Matz is hurting badly from that bone spur in his elbow and shouldn't be pitching with it. They should shut down, shut Matz down, let his parking elbow rest for a bit, then have surgery to take care of it. So that was... I was, I was right Matt there. Last year. Yeah? I was right nope. there about Matz. I was right there about Matz. The game I was talking about was the game against the Giants. I don't know. It was in August. That was in West. 2015. No, no, 2016. That was your... 2016. Was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Justin Ruggiano <laughs> in a grand slam off of, off of Madison Bumgarner, and, and they were winning 4 nothing in the top of the first inning. And I was like, oh, my God, this is really <clears> happening. <throat> and they lost. And they lost that game. They lost like 9-8, 12-8, something like that. Well, that's like in, uh, in 78 when um, – uh, Oh, yeah, they lost – They fell so far behind, and it, was late, and it was already late August. From the, the behind the Red Sox, the, the famous championship game, the 163rd game in 1978. Yep. Fourth, they were four. big year, 25 yep. and three. They and were next thing you and know, a half out the Yankees. The Yankees start winning. Boston starts losing, and the city is is it was was thumping again. Holy! Yep. Was, I mean, was everybody nice. was counting them out. That Martin, you know, that's when Martin was let go. Bob Lemon came yep. in. Next thing you know, ba boom! Here we go. That was also amazing. The summer. The, it was, now, was do you remember that summer. year? Boston well. won. I think their last. I don't know if it was their last ten games or nine games. The Yankees were winning every day with them. One game lead. One game lead. Yep. Last game of the season at Yankee Stadium. Rick Waits. Rick Cleveland, Waits threw a shutout against beat, the Yankees. Rick Waits beats the Yankees because me and two of my high school buddies, we went to that game. We wanted to see the Yankees clinch, and they didn't. They lost. Boston wins again. Yep. Up to Boston for game 163. <laughs> and Did you go to oh, Bucky fucking And Bucky fucking dead. Rick Waits. <laughs> Rick Waits threw a shutout for the Indians against the Yankees. On that Sunday, without question, six nothing. Actually, oh, I, I think, remember that well. I think, think he beat the Yankees that day. I, if I'm not mistaken, it was six to two. Six nothing. He threw a shutout. I don't. Did he? I don't. Oh yeah. I don't think it was oh, yeah, a yeah, shutout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six nothing. I'm going to check Rick it out. Wait, I don't nothing. think it was just shutouts, but the Yankees got beat soundly. Yep, six nothing. I'm pretty sure it was six nothing. I remember watching it. You know, I watched. Right. I followed right. that season. You could you be know, right. I, I'm not. I don't, I don't remember. Oh, I remember very well. And then they, all and I know is that they had a weight. chance at all. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 I I knew that the Yankees had a shot the next day because it was Gidry going against the Red Sox, and I said it's all set up for the Yankees. One game, they got Gidry on the mound. 
Little did I know that they were gonna have Bucky fucking Dent hit Donald Trump. Bucky fucking Bucky Dent. You, you know what the Isn't famous amazing? quote after that game was? You know what the famous no. quote in the lot Boston locker room? Mike Torres. Bucky fucking Dent. Oh. Well, that was <laughs> part of the, that was part of the, what is some of his answers, but he was uh, questioned on I, I I don't know the pitch, what what would you you know blah blah blah. He got, I think he got so disgusted from the questions after a while. He says, fuck it. 50 million Chinese don't give a shit. And he yes. walked away. That's <laughs> what he got. He he became, he, do you know, 50 Tony, million Chinese Mike don't Torres give a and shit. I became very, very close when I worked at the Newark Bears. And he, was the, and he was first the pitching coach, and then he was the general manager. We became very close. Like, we, you know, wow. hang out together, nice. and, and he'd come and sit in the press box with me during games. I he didn't know you got to know him so well. That's cool. Oh, we got him all. Oh, God. That, I tell you what. When we had the – the Bears had that pit, that coaching staff with – Tim Raines was the manager. Ron Karkovice was the hitting coach. Uh, and um, Mike Torres was the pitching coach. And then the next year, Labritz was, the, like, the bench coach. Those are great guys. I mean, I got a good chance to hang out with them all the time, and they were phenomenal. They were absolutely phenomenal. I can imagine. And Torres and I, Torres and I, became inseparable. I mean, we would you know go hang out together and go have dinner and drinks, and you know it was great. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a good memory. That's a real good memory. Because yep. I because I made he fun of came out. Hey, go listen. Ahead. He won with he won with the Yankees in '77. He, I don't know what happened. He ended up going to Boston. So you know what? He, he had a he had a, a he had a good run. He had a really good run. Yeah, and he gave up and he gave up the most runs in an inning in the history of the Mets. He gave up uh, the game that Von Hayes hit two homers in the first inning off the Mets, when um, Mike Torres was touched up for ten earned runs in a third of an inning in Philadelphia. <clears throat> Oh my God! I don't remember yeah. that. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. 1983. Give ten runs, ten runs in in a half of an inning, in one third of an inning. Hey, you know what? He now, was on the mound in '77 for the last out when uh, Munson made the uh, the catch, uh, the foul pop up behind the plate. You know, yep. he was the winning. He he was on the mound then. So you know what? Yep. Everything uh, everything balances out, right? It certainly does. So. This Tony, was an absolute joy to spend this hour you, oh. with, with you two guys. I really oh, appreciate Jimmy, it. I want you to tell Tony the Ricky Henderson story real quick. Which one? Which is my favorite one of yours. The Ricky Henderson story when he was with the Bears. Ricky Henderson? Oh, that's right. Well, there's one with Ricky Henderson with the Bears. There's another one with Ricky Henderson was with the Jersey Indians. That was even better, but, you know. No, which I was going to say, but doesn't it all tie into one story? Well, Ricky Henderson, what, Ricky Henderson, I used to, when I worked for the Jersey Indians back in, in the summer of 78 and, okay. uh, at Roosevelt Stadium, uh, part of my job was every night after the games were over was to drive Ricky Henderson, Mike Norris, uh, Ray Cozy, and Daryl Woodard in my 1976 AMC Pacer to their house uh, where they lived on Duncan Avenue. Four of them lived huh. in an apartment on Duncan Avenue, right off of West Side, and that's where the, the four of them lived together. And part of my job was after the game was over to drive them home, and I got an additional fifty bucks a week from Charlie Finley, personally, 
to make sure that he that quote Charlie's boys were taken care of. Well, okay. So I used to have to drive Ricky Henderson home every game in my wow. eight, 1976 AMC page. Right, so, <laughs> so now Ricky Henderson comes back to play for the New York Bears, and I'm the PA announcer, and I'm doing the uh, a master of ceremonies for their welcome <clears throat> home luncheon at some okay. restaurant in New York, in, in New York, in Newark, right? And nice. now I'm introducing the, each member of the team, and they come out and they take a bow and fans applaud, and, I, and then I'll, and I saved the best for last. And I said, and, and I said, we are very blessed to have a future Hall of Famer in our midst, uh, somebody right. who is one of the greatest players in the history of the Major League Baseball, you know, and he's going to join the Bears for this season, ladies and gentlemen. Ricky Henderson comes out, applauds, blah 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 blah, stands, takes pictures, signs autographs, whatever, right? And then after it's over, I go up to him. I said, "How you doing, Rick?" And he looks up. He goes, what's up? I says, do you remember me? He goes, nope. I says, you remember me at all? Do I owe you money? Right? He goes, nope. <laughs> I said, and I says, I said, uh, Jersey City. He goes, yeah. I said, uh, do you remember, you know, anything about me in Jersey City? He goes, no. I said, <laughs> okay. Well, I said, when you played in Jersey City, you used to get a ride home after every game. I said, well, I'm the guy who drives you home. And he looked up, and he said, the bubble car? And I said, yes, that was me, the bubble car. The bubble The bubble car. That's all he remembered. He didn't remember me at all. He remembered he remember the car. Me. This, is somebody who I, this is somebody who I had to deal with every single day there. Like, you know, like drove him home every game, was with him on the road. I was there when he tried to steal. Uh, he was cheating in cards in Holyoke, Massachusetts, playing AC Ducey, pulling from the bottom of the deck. I'm going, Ricky, I just caught you. Right, I said, cut the shit. You can't, you can't cheat like that. He goes, what are you talking about? I ain't fucking cheating. I said, no, you're fucking cheating. You're pulling the cards from the bottom of the deck. Stop. You know, don't do that. Play, play the game the right way. Right? You cheat. Cheat. As I caught him cheating the cards. Right. Right. Um, yeah, Ricky Henderson, baseball Hall of Famer. I caught him cheating in cards in 1978. So, but anyway, he didn't remember me at all for any of those things. So spent the entire summer with him, okay? And he even, which was really nice, okay, when he went was going home uh, after the season was over, I'm dro- I drove him back to the airport and, 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 and took, you know, his luggage, put it in the car, drove him to the airport, and he gave me 100 bucks. Now, you know, hundred bucks for a kid in nineteen seventy eight was a lot of money. Sure. So, Ricky thanks you. Right. <laughs> and Ricky, Ricky Anderson. And then and then Ricky, Ricky incredibly nineteen seventy nineteen seventy nine he's in the major leagues and I'm in Marquette. So I told my friends in school, I said, Guys, I don't know if you're aware, but I got friends of mine that play for the Oakland A's. I said, Who cares? I said, Well, I can get his great tickets to go see the Brewers. Oh, you can? Yeah. All right, go ahead, get tickets. I called Mike Norris. He said, no problem. I'll leave you six. I called Ricky Henderson. He said, no problem. I'll leave you six tickets. I had 12 tickets. The, the Brewers played in the, the A's for those three games that they were there. And I took like, I don't know, 12, 11 guys from my floor to go see the games. Right? That was 1979. Cool. 1980, 1980, I met Marquette again. Ricky Henderson steals 130 bases. Mike Norris, Mike Norris wins 22 games, and now I got everybody and their mother calling me, and the Brewers playing. Calling you for tickets. 
they were, the Brewers played the A's in the in the playoffs, and I got everybody and their mother calling me to see if they can get me tickets. You know. Right, right, right. Now, uh, <laughs> good. These these are great memories. These are great memories. Yeah. Right. So I have I have long long memories of Ricky Henderson, but it doesn't surprise me that he didn't remember me because you know the story about Henderson, right? He said when he got traded to the Mets or signed with the Mets, he's now taking batting practice and said, you wear your helmet out onto the field? And he said that to Olerud. And Olerud says, yeah, I've always done that. He goes, goes, funny. He goes, I played with a guy in Toronto who used to do the same thing. He goes, yeah. Oh, God. He doesn't remember people, huh? He didn't remember. He didn't remember John no. Olerud, so I shouldn't feel bad that he, he didn't, didn't remember me. He didn't he remember, didn't remember Olerud. I played with a guy in Toronto who did the same thing. Eh, he didn't know who that was. Oh <laughs> boy! Oh, All right, boys. Boy. I remember this is a uh, this is a great, great Frank uh, uh, phone call. I'm glad I got to share it with both of you. Thank you so very much. I hope uh, I hope there are other people that were listening. So do I. Hey Jim, and, uh, Jim Ricky this, Henderson it, stories. Jim, this was fun. I, I I appreciated this time. George, thanks, and uh, oh, okay. God bless. Uh, God bless you guys. Same to you, Tony. And, and you know what? Thank Keep you. Keep taking pucks in the face. Keep taking pucks in the face. <laughs> I I will. It, it's it's right. the only way I want to die, unless I get hit in the head with a baseball. As the no, only no, way to I'm, go. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's more going to be like a puck. I think it's a puck. <laughs> <laughs> All That's right, guys. Okay. Great talking to you both. We'll talk to you soon. Night, Jimmy. God bless you guys, right, man. Thanks. thanks. Oh, God. If there's any better you there, George? Of a... Yeah, I'm here, Coach. Oh, I, I was I, just I, saying good night, man. Oh, Coach, it, it was a pleasure having you. This was fun. <laughs> that, that was fun. I, I, All right, we'll try to do I it again. I love it when Jimmy Oh, yeah, and I love the most when Jimmy calls it because Jimmy has so many stories. And he can talk about – he's unlike well, yeah, Francesca, he's a... who can't talk about anything. Jimmy can talk about he, everything, he... and it, it's so funny. Right, right. Well, Jim's been around. He's been – you know, he's met a lot of people, and um, that's a funny story on uh, Ricky Henderson, you know? <laughs> I remember that's a funny story. the time we were – when he was with the Bears, I have, I have two for you. There was one we are driving down 21. And we see him in the bullpen, and he just pulls it out and starts peeing in the bullpen. Oh, Jesus Christ! Chasing twenty-one. <laughs> and he's oh like, my God! So we went to the game the next day. We're like, Hey, Ricky, you know, you probably shouldn't be peeing facing twenty-one. I didn't think anybody could see me. <laughs> Ricky, we all I didn't did. think anyone could see me. Oh, then, Jesus then, Christ! That same night, we did uh, dizzy bat on the field. Ricky's cup, you know, they bring you through the dugout and they bring you off the field. And Ricky goes, Ricky enjoyed that. I like that. Ricky liked that very much. You know, you, you people spin around and you get head on the fifth. How'd that feel? Good, Ricky. Why? <laughs> it looked funny. Ricky liked it. I was like, holy cheat. It's like everything you heard about Ricky Henderson was true in that one split moment. Wow. Yes. Well, hey, good. Uh, some good memories, some not so good, but, you know, a lot of good stories, kid. Yeah. Hey, hey listen, this was a I long got... day, but uh, this ended the, yes, this ended the day great. Yes, sir, Coach. Huh? It was good having you on. It was great having oh, you on. Oh, thanks for having me. This was fun. 
We'll do we'll it again. Reminisce sometime. some more. We'll do it. Right, we'll coach. do it, kid. All right, I'll catch you up to you. Later, Later brother. Okay, kid. Bye. All right. I think that's enough for tonight. You guys got your fill. Night, everybody. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.